1: And this week, my guest is Chris Gibbons, the head of CRO, UX, and personalization at
2: RedEye. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks, Tim. Really nice to be here.
1: Yeah, so, uh, wow, that's quite a, a job title. I was thinking of shortening it to <laughs> Lord of all space and time. Uh, but, you know, So th- that's a lot of responsibilities. Tell me a little bit more about what you do and uh, RedEye and, and more generally.
2: Of course. So, no, Eye, we're... Um... We're kind of a personalization company, to be honest, but we're very much multi-channel. So um, I've always been in the UX, CRO kind of team, and we used to be very siloed off and do all the web stuff, basically, in our team. And then the other side of the company did all the email and more CRM related. Now, finally, after many years, we're kind of a bit more joined up. So we're doing kind of multi-channel personalization. So that's kind of how we've come about, really, I'd say.
1: Well, and based on your accent, I can uh, venture to guess you're not Canadian, uh, that you're (laughs) from the British Isles.
2: Absolutely. No, I'm based in London at the moment, in our very old Georgian house of an office. Very cool. There's even cupids on the ceiling and uh, a little chandelier with some LED light bulbs. But it's it's very cool.
1: (laughs) Mixing old and new. Yeah, well, I had a strange feeling when I lived in Rome. It's just like, how do you uh, live in landmarks? You know, it's kind of creepy, but cool at the same time. Uh, All right, well, back to CRO world. Uh, So I'm really glad to hear that at least within your company, you've busted down a lot of the silos, seemingly, because uh, I think what's, what's critical is having an end-to-end experience. I want to pick up on the personalization angle. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, personalization is something that goes along with Big data, big data, big data. You know that uh, you really need to be an enterprise level company to do anything with uh, web personalization. What's your answer to those folks?
2: Oh, well, that's the worst thing you can uh, you can do sometimes is to take that approach because we've found with clients they they take on a massive kind of data project that lasts for three years of trying to work. we're going to combine every little bit of data from every single channel, and then three or four years later we will be able to do some personalization, when in fact you need to you need to just take it in bite-sized chunks and start to look at what you can connect. So when everyone goes on about omnichannel and personalization, all those buzzwords, it's about taking it one step at a time. So one, if, if we can just join up the emails to the web through a simple A-B testing tool, then you can create fantastic landing pages, right? You can, you can repeat that um, headline. You know You can continue the conversation from your emails to your web. And, and there you have it. That's like the perfect start. And that's really easy to do as well. So,
1: okay. So, that's not, so that doesn't seem so scary. I mean, a lot of people, for example, when they run pay per click campaigns, they do dynamic keyword insertion uh, into the title of the page. So, if you talked about, you know, timeshare in a condo in Hawaii, that also in your ad, that also becomes the title of your landing page, right? Through just a simple, you know, dumb uh, keyword replace. So, it, it doesn't have to be any
2: harder than that. To start no, not, not at all. And if you have, um, if you say you've got your database and stuff, and that's a lot of the things we do, we have customer databases, and that's you're you're no doubt already sending personalised emails to different segments of people in your database. What you have to do is then through cookies is to tie it up to your web, so you can detect the same people when they come to your website. And just start doing some really simple personalization. Just for example, on a retail site, just think about the USB bar, you know, like the little promotions underneath the navigation. And just start kind of personalizing that area of your website for those users. So USB so, yeah.
1: for those of us that are an acronym compliant is unique selling proposition, oh right? I'm
2: sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> I have so okay. many. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> uh, okay. So you know that um so the mechanism by which you track things or return visits in particular would be cookies. Now, some people would say, Ian, well, you know, there's a high percentage of people that delete cookies after a certain amount of time. I think the answer to them is the same as your earlier answer. A little bit of something is better than a whole lot of nothing, right?
2: Absolutely. And to be honest, everything we do in CRO and personalization is just about increasing the likelihood of the user doing something. You know, So obviously, if we can't reach everybody out there, but if you can start to reach some um, 20% or 20% group and another 20% group, then you're, all you're doing is increasing the chances. It's just probability at the end of the day.
1: Right. So the point is it doesn't have to be perfect. There can be leaks in your bucket. There still always will be leaks oh, in God, your bucket, no. right? Absolutely. Always will be. Yeah. And the analogy I like to use is, for example, the the – uh, U.S. dollar gets counterfeited more than any other currency in the world, it doesn't mean that you, know, you question the premise of whether the currency system is working or not. It just means there's an acceptable level of loss or noise or whatever you want to call it, right?
2: Exactly. And, and I think the other key is that you always have to um, think about what the objective of a website is and always put the user first. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but if you start with the customer all the time, then whatever you do, it will always be in in the good of a customer, if you know what I mean. It's when you approach CRO in personalization through a kind of quick, too quick win or trick basis, like we're going to trick them into doing something, that's when it can go wrong. But as long as you're always trying to make the experience better for them, and actually I think the most important thing at the moment in the last few years is convenience. Just always have in your mind, if I can make it more convenient for them, then you're going to be onto a winner.
1: Yeah, well, or as uh, B.J. Fogg, who's keynoted at our conversion conference, he heads the Stanford uh, Persuasive Technology Lab. He has his behavioral model, which is, you know, he says if you ever want someone to to take an action, they have to have the motivation to do it, the ability to do it, and then they have to have a, a trigger by which they take action. What I hear you saying is, you know, you should always make those triggers easy and available.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great model, and it still really, uh, really applies today as well. It's really, really good. It's a really simple way of looking at things, isn't it? His model.
1: Yeah, I've I really have gotten a lot of mileage out of it over the years. Now you can, of course, push on the other parts of that. You know, motivation uh, in terms of psychology and neuromarketing and the ability to do it, and in, in terms of the, the time or the cost required. But mainly, uh, you know, what I've found is. Uh, The example I like to use is uh, like HubSpot when they have blog articles and then they have little tweetable links inside of them. Well, those get picked up 10 times as much as uh, kind of resharing the whole blog post. In other words, you made a little trigger. It says tweet this and you click on it and it's tweeted.
2: That's a great example. It's just so easy to do, isn't it? It's so convenient again. So yeah. if you can do that on your own website, you're, you're definitely going to go somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, micro conversions and uh, micro triggers. I think we both agree on that. <laughs>
2: exactly. Uh,
1: all right. Well, let's get back to this notion of, of personalization, though. Uh, so if I were to um, start out And and my company is doing no personalization. What's kind of level one personalization? What's where where do we get started?
2: Well, the first thing to start with is to look at the um, is to see what's available within your A/B testing tool. So hopefully you guys have signed up to some kind of A/B testing tool, and and then you need to really look into um, how you can segment and target at the moment. So hopefully there will be a lot of um, a lot of simple kind of targeting things in there, we, uh, for example, based on your referrals. We referred to, we were talking about emails before, or um, kind of uh, PPC ads, for example. They're, they're really, really easy places to start in personalization. And, of course, there's new and returning. Of course, we hear it all the time, but there's you can still make a really big difference just from thinking, look at your homepage, for example, and think about all the... Um, all the content that lives on your website and on the homepage. And just think about what isn't relevant for new users. And think about what, is, what isn't relevant for returning users or for well, your customers. So, so,
1: yeah, so, so that's, that's a real easy one. I mean, if you have a customer, you want to update them about maybe the latest features of your product or service, and you want to have a big fat login on the page. They don't yeah. really care about your first-time customer sign-up bonus because <laughs> they're already a customer, right? So pushing your latest promotion at them is probably a really bad idea.
2: Exactly. And for a retail sites, I mean, the most important thing for people who are returning to the site uh, multiple times is, the, is what's new on the site. So, for example, what, what are the newest products? That's the most important information for them.
1: Well, I, I would argue with you on that one. I mean, some people are novelty seekers. It depends on how often they come back to a retail site. But I would say that uh, one perfect use of personalization for a retail scenario return visitor is actually, here's what you looked at last time you were here because they didn't end up buying it, and you know that. <laughs> and why don't you just deep link them to those products they've already seen so that they don't have to g- go through your navigation all over again or invest effort in that.
2: Cool. And it's, 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 that's kind of affinity personalization, isn't it? I think it's called. And, it's, uh, and actually, that with some of the new um, A-B testing tools, they're bringing into the market more personalization, like you, for example. They're making that really, really easy, So you can actually – you can easily set up a more behavioral type of um, personalization where they've just been to this category, even just show them that category in a prominent location on the homepage. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well,
1: we'll explore that topic a little bit in two minutes after a word from our sponsors.
0: More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment.
3: So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at max speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com.
0: Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash.
1: And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. My guest this week is Chris Gibbons, head of CRO, UX, and Personalization at RedEye in London. Uh, Chris, we were talking before the break about how there are some tools that not only allow you to uh, use general kind of segmentation, like new versus return visitors and information that would be in the cookie, but also behavioral information about... Um, past visits to the site. Uh, Let's talk about what kind of capabilities are available uh, from a behavioral standpoint and some of the more common tools.
2: Yeah, of course. Well, actually, when I met you last, Tim, at Opticon uh, in San Francisco, which was a fantastic opportunity to go out there, one of the really exciting things was the fact that Optimize, you were releasing their new personalization tool. And uh, it's been in beta for the last uh, few months, but it, I hear but it's just coming out to market now, which is really good. And we've been trying it out for a couple of our clients. And I, like I was just saying, one of the really great things about it is that you can, within a few minutes, you can set up these behavioral segments. So you can set up... Um, You can set up tags based on where they click and also the categories they go into and then quickly change, for example, the layout or the imagery on the homepage so that it's more relevant to what they've been um, telling you, basically, they're interested in. So it's a really, really great tool. Well,
1: yeah, perfect example. I'm sitting in San Diego and I'm going to use, uh, you know, U.S. degrees here, but it's about 75, 80 degrees and sunny. A close friend I talked to in Boston this morning and it was freezing there. So if you're on an e-commerce site, probably putting a sweater on my homepage doesn't make a lot of sense. However, (laughs) uh, in Boston, it'd be a great idea right about now.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for reminding me what the weather's like over there. I really appreciate it.
1: <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not only my pleasure; it's my obligation. I feel like <laughs> at times like this. Uh, but as I like to say, self-inflicted. So you're welcome to move on. Um, no, so but uh, that's that's an obvious one. So now we're pulling in information uh, from third-party sources, like uh, you know weather, for example, uh, or current location, right?
2: Absolutely. But but what I think is the real potential and I think this is where it's gonna go, is starting to bring in more kind of customer lifecycle type segments into your personalization strategy. So whereas all right, we got new in returning and we got existing customers. But if for example you start um, from a marketing perspective you're already doing an email where you're treating people who have engaged with you a little bit differently to those who are your VIP customers who buy from you all the time. Right. And you'll start to have different objectives for different people along that life cycle. And that's where it gets really interesting. Because up to now, you can only really do that through email, through like push uh, methods. But as soon right. as you, you can start to do it on the website, think about how that could change your whole digital strategy.
1: Yeah, or is it in the is uh, for example, a digital marketer, Ryan Dice, is a big proponent of this, when they set up their funnels, they talk about certain things being like a free lead magnet, then you have a tripwire offer, or you get them to crack their wallet open, then you have your core offer, then you have the profit maximizer. So at d- different stages yeah. of the relationship with them, you're actually pushing different stuff.
2: Absolutely. And from, a, and from a UX perspective, some of the problems that clients get into is that they treat everybody or they have the same goal for everybody, and that is to convert in this session, in this visit. And if you do that, for example, if you do that all the time on your mobile device, where probably 50 or 60% of the users are only there to research and have no intention of buying through the mobile device, perhaps, then you're in danger of ruining the experience for all those browsers. Because, yeah. you know, you could have the big pop-up on the page of the buy now and really, really try and get them down the funnel where in fact they had no intention in the first place.
1: Exactly right. No matter how big you make that buy now button, <laughs> it's, you know, if you're cramming it down my throat, I mean, yes, I know it's there, but if I have no intention of buying, like you say, if I'm an early stage visitor, then it's not going to work and it's just annoying and, and tacky and it's actually going to turn me off from your whole company and experience. Uh, there's a, And this even works within the upstream part of the funnel. For example, there's a fantastic… Uh, Agency called Finch, which does pay per click management. And one of their uh, major strategies is to e commerce scenarios is to slice and dice how deeply you went into the site. You know, homepage category, product detail, cart, um, bail out of the cart. They're looking at things not based on the product interests you have, but rather the depth of engagement, like you say.
2: Oh, that's really cool. That sounds great. Um, and
1: then you can have different rules and different amounts of money you're willing to spend, depending on how deeply someone's gone down funnel with you.
2: And, and there's so much um, you can do, isn't it? There's so much. I mean, to be honest, I see personalization as an extension to CRO generally. Um, I, I just see it as like the next step on from from what we're doing, and and it will no doubt become. Uh, well, you won't have to have titles that include like CRO and personalization in them anymore. I think in the future. <laughs> Because yeah, it, and, it is you know, just a logical next step, isn't it? it yeah.
1: And when I wrote my books, uh, unfortunately, the term of art, you know, Google had popularized was landing page optimization. Now we're calling it conversion rate optimization. Uh, you know, Sean Ellis calls it uh, growth hacking. I mean, it's really all the same, isn't it? It's, it's, it's basically customer experience optimization.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And when I started doing this um, quite a few years ago, actually – no one else in UX seemed to really want to go into A-B testing, which I always found really bizarre, because obviously I'm, I'm like from, from a very UX background and eye-tracking, is always my thing and usability. But um, at the time, it just seemed so logical that we needed to start doing A-B testing and testing all the recommendations and design recommendations we come up with. But no one was doing it in UX. I never really understood that. Uh, I've always yeah, thought perhaps I mean, they're too like, scared or something to try to test their recommendations. I don't know.
1: I, I think it is. I mean, I think it's it's a lot of investment in our egos. At the end of the day, you know, even you know, those are at the top of our game and conversion rate optimization. Have to test our assumptions some of the time, at least, to make sure we're not off in the in the weeds. Um, yeah. I mean, my background at UC San Diego was studying with uh, Professor Don Norman, who literally wrote the book on user-centered design back in the early 80s. That was our textbook. And, you know, it seems in some ways that it's taken so long for that to penetrate the general awareness. Uh, But I think what it is is now that UX has become a discipline, people hold on to that tightly. Well, I'm a usability expert, and, you know, therefore I know everything. And uh, it's really impossible to put yourself in in the shoes of other people, I think.
2: God, I think it's a state of mind, you know, and, and I don't always, I was thinking about this the other day, I don't always know if it's that healthy, personally, to have that kind of state of mind, because um, I know my wife would probably think sometimes, she, I thought sometimes because I always have <laughs> two, two or three options, and I never really want to, I, I can appear to be a bit indecisive. But it's not – it's just because I'm a mad UX CRO freak, you know, and it's, uh, it's the kind of thing you do. You say, well, actually, this is a pretty good option, but I need to be open-minded to another option and to another option. So yeah, think- well, in, in the,
1: in the uh, kind of – what's that? The archetype, um, the, the Myers-Briggs personality typing based on Jung's theory of archetypes, you know, the, the final dimension on it is whether you're what they call, um, you know, judging – or perceiving in other words can you leave things open-ended and continue to chew the cud if you will and process it over and over or do you need a a massive sense of closure and the bear trap just springs closed and that's it that's your final (laughs) answer Uh, (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah i think so that that's a personality type i think uh you know both are needed in in different
2: circumstances or they would have been weeded out of the gene pool yeah i don't know if it's nature or nurture though to be honest I think it's something that kind of it it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a consequence of doing all this stuff all the time to be honest
1: well i i think i think it's true i think like anything else, it can be a muscle you practice your open mindedness or you practice the ability to see diverse perspectives and hold paradoxes you know kind of uh in your head, uh, I think that that's definitely useful in our line of work. I can't can, can argue with you there, uh, but
2: th- then that makes you the worst ever shopper, doesn't it? When you have that mentality, <laughs> yeah. that's why I hate shopping so much.
1: It's <laughs> a number street. of uh, in you know, kind of decisions you've made during the day. I make so many at work that when my wife asks me, Where do you want to go to dinner or where should we go on vacation this year? I'm uh, I basically just punt and say honey you figure that out and she gets really mad (laughs) exactly
2: we have a lot in common Uh,
1: (laughs) well we have uh we have our last commercial break coming up and afterwards i want to explore your sordid artistic past i think something we may share in common uh we'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors
0: more lpo landing page optimization in just a moment Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash.
1: And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, continuing my conversation with Chris Gibbons from Red Eye in London. Uh, Chris. Hey, how are you doing? I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're a frustrated artist. I am as well. Uh, but I think really? you might have taken it a little, a little further than I <laughs> let's, let's compare
2: well, I, I went to art school because I was one of those, um, I always, to be honest, I hated exams. So I, always, I went into art because I loved painting, but also I didn't like exams very much. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I thought, you know, I'm going to be the next the next uh, David Hockney, to be honest, that's one of my favourites. But even though I, I loved it there, I uh, and I really wanted to make a career of it, I was a bit of a failed artist. And, and I did give it a go when I left college. But, uh, and actually I went on a 12 month round the world painting trip and it was an amazing experience where I kind of went to all kinds of countries, including Burma and China, and I sat on the streets and I was painting all the scenes out there and, and it was, it was amazing. I really, really did have a fantastic time, but you know, here I am now, so you can tell it didn't work out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe it did. Maybe you just found another channel for your creativity. Absolutely. No. And, And I think that that's the thing, you know. Joking aside, one of the things I loved about art was the creativity part of it. And I think that does help in CRO and everything I do now. Coming up with alternative ideas is is something you just have to do. But I was always more interested in the interaction. I was interested in how users then looked at the paintings or then take it a step further, how they interacted with animations. And that's how I really got to where I am now.
1: Hmm, Interesting. Yeah, I had a background in uh, figure uh, painting, drawing and photography. Uh, Had an art studio for a while, but then then life intruded. And now I I do the occasional uh, black and white fine art photography. And that's it. I'm afraid uh, (laughs) that ship sailed long ago. (laughs) But hey, you know. But like it's say, we great though, isn't express it? Ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think there's an am- amazing number, in my experience, of people that have a creative background in conversion rate optimization. It just shows you you have to activate all sides of your brain and all parts of your
2: brain in order to do it well. Absolutely. And w- one of the fun things I find now is that I l- I'm always trying to make CRO and personalization more fun for people. And actually, the creative side of me comes into there. And I really... I get a kick out of it. So we do a lot of games and stuff with clients where we... Obviously, the, the Witch Variation 1 game we do, you can see the play on words there. It's a bit similar to something else out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we should remain unnamed. <laughs> exactly. But we also did something that worked really well the other day, and I recommend it, is we had a whole lot of ex- executives from a, um, a really massive uh, corporate organization come in. And... Um, I, I put all these gambling chips uh, next to all of them around the table, and I didn't tell them what it was for, but at the end, they actually had to put their money on the variations which they thought won. So it was a really good play on that on that game. But the effect it had actually giving them chips, and 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 we gave them the winning as well. So so we had a a, a croupier, as, as you'd put mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. to actually yep. um, dish out the money based on their chances. So if it was a an A B C test, you'd basically have a um, odds of three to one on. Oh no, against. Sorry. Oh shit, I'm bad at that. <laughs> That's okay. No, and. I just like
1: adds- hearing English people say "croupier." It's not something we do a <laughs> lot in the U.S. So, uh, no, yes, yeah, so, you know what? That's that's a good thing. I think that we might try a variation of that, but we'll actually make it more like a fantasy football type thing where people put in real money. Now that would get their full attention, oh, I think. Cool. Exactly. <laughs>
2: And whenever you do this kind of thing, you get even those who are – no these are like all real, real C-level people. But mm-hmm. they got so into the whole thing of A-B testing. I've never seen it like that. They just got – they were considering every single option and then changing their minds and really, really thinking about it. And as far as trying to um, instill a culture of testing in the organization, it worked a dream.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because there are a lot of crowdsourcing experiments when you create efficient markets like that or let people place bets on stuff and get lots of opinions. For example, here's this giant bag full of candy. How many candies are in there? And it's amazing that the average answer across all of those people's bets, if you will, actually ends up being super, super close very often to to the desired or actual answer. Wow. Uh, so really. there's, there's <laughs> wisdom in crowds for sure. <laughs> um, okay, funny well so so I guess to to kind of just uh bring this full circle back to personalization so if you don't already have a a tool like optimizely or EverGage, uh two fantastic ones to to start looking at um you know what should you what should you be starting
2: with um just basic cookie personalization like we we're talking about well to be honest you need to start gathering everything you know about your users and about your customers so get the ux team on board and start thinking about creating some more practical personas so you can at least start thinking about what different types of content is going to suit each of those personas Uh, and then as far as the tools concerned i mean um I, i think the a b testing route is the most easiest to go down and then some of them are fairly cost efficient to be honest um, and, and just start uh, doing some basic segmentation. But if you want to go one step further, then you can. Uh, you're, you're going to need to eventually kind of get your CRM data um, integrated with your A/B testing tool, and that's. You know, that's a big part of what we do at Red Eye. Right, right.
1: Or or if you're um, in the case of uh, lead generation, probably more like your marketing automation system. um, Absolutely. um, Tied into that. Yep. So um, down the road, and we have a whole conversion maturity model, and one of the dimensions we look at is technology. Down the road, you'll probably have to do some heavy-duty background plumbing. But to start with, folks, it's not that hard. I think the big takeaway from you and me, Chris, this week is just go do it, even if it's the simplest personalization imaginable.
2: Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree with that more.
1: All right. Well, unfortunately, loyal listeners, you've burned through another half hour listening to us prattle on. Uh, And uh, Chris, want to thank you again for being on the show. No, you're welcome. And uh, loyal listeners, uh, we'll see you on the flip
3: side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program as well as our complete library of programs on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program